to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, are you ready this morning? All right, take your Bibles this morning. Go to Matthew chapter 13. We've been talking about adjusting our way of thinking and coming out of the life that we were living before and the way we were thinking, the way we were operating into the kingdom of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and been born again, you have come into something known as the kingdom of God. Jesus preached. The first sermon he ever preached was repent, change the way that you think, because the kingdom of God is now at hand. So when you come in the kingdom of God, it's, it's basically like going to another country. If you move from here and you move to Spain, how many know you would have to learn a new language? You'd have to learn a new culture. You'd have to learn everything all over again. It's the same way with the kingdom of God. You've got to come out of the culture of this world because this world's culture does not work. How many of you have figured that out yet? It doesn't work. It's the kingdom culture that works. And God promises us a lot of things as long as we live in and obtain and stay on the laws of the kingdom of God, we can walk in a victorious life and fulfill the purpose that God put us here to do. How many of you know every one of you in here has a purpose? Some of you don't even realize you have a purpose. Some of you don't understand you have a purpose. But I pray one day the Holy Ghost just smacks you right upside the head and, and you find out that you have a purpose here in this earth realm. And that's where your peace and joy come when you start flowing in your purpose. I mean, you know, when you're in your purpose, everything, it doesn't matter about anything else. You don't care about things. You don't care about money. You just care about fulfilling the purpose that you were put here to do. And the peace is then like a supernatural peace. It's called the peace that passes under. See, everybody wants to understand their way into peace, and you can't do it. It's peace by operating the things of God where a supernatural peace comes, and it overrules your understanding to a place to where you walk in peace in every single area of your life, praise God. And how many know peace and joy? Man, if you could bottle that stuff and sell it, my God, oh, Lord. You'd be rich, wouldn't you, right now in this world, man? Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Verse 11. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Notice what it says here. The mysteries or the secrets. Say mysteries. mysteries. Say secrets. secrets. When I started reading the Bible and read it a, a couple times, especially the New Testament, I went back over the four Gospels. I started to read only what the red was, only what Jesus said. And as I read that, I found out that Jesus was preaching a different gospel almost totally than I was preaching. I was preaching faith, which is fine. I was preaching love. I was preaching joy. But the only gospel that Jesus preached when you study out Jesus is about the kingdom of God. That's the only thing he ever preached. Hallelujah. Can I get in trouble early today? Yeah. Jesus never preached himself. See, most of the churches preach Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, Jesus never even preached Jesus. So if I'm going to preach what Jesus preached, I can't really just preach Jesus because Jesus just didn't preach Jesus. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God. Are you following me? So he preached something beyond even Jesus. Jesus was basically the doorway for you to get into the kingdom of God. And he said so. He's the doorway to do it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What am I? The way into the kingdom, the truth in the kingdom, and the life in the kingdom. He was explaining what he's doing. We've been preaching Jesus, which isn't bad, but I'll tell you what, the kingdom is what Jesus preached. Every parable he preached started out, and the kingdom of God is like. 
This is what the kingdom of God is. Now, if you're going to read the Bible and you're going to read the four Gospels, you have to understand that every parable in the Bible is about the kingdom of God. He's trying to teach us how to operate in the kingdom, trying to open our eyes to the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God is where we need to learn to live. We need to abide by the culture and the laws. Therefore, we will raise above this natural realm. How many want to get above the natural realm? Get above what's going on in this evil world, it's called. We want to do that, but you do that by living in the kingdom of God and Jesus was the way into the kingdom of God. It's a lot like, I was thinking this week, it's a lot like Florida. How many know people are flocking to Florida right now? Now notice, they're not flocking specifically because Governor DeSantis is here. They're flocking here because of the freedom that was provided by. Boy, that's good, isn't it? Governor, he's the one who provided the freedom. But they're not coming here. So why are you coming? Because of the governor. No, they're coming for freedom. They finally get to be themselves and do what they want to do. But he provided the freedom. It's the same way with the kingdom. Jesus provided your freedom. It's there, but once you go through the door into the kingdom of God, you can live in freedom in every single area of your life because that's what the kingdom does. It provides for you freedom 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So that's why people are basically coming to Florida. That's why people get into the kingdom. Sometimes we preach heaven is the end. Are you going to heaven? No. Well, you can go to heaven. Okay, I'm going to heaven. But there's more than that, do you see? The heaven basically is a byproduct of you getting in the kingdom. It's part of it. You got in the kingdom, you have rights now in the kingdom. You have joy in the kingdom. You have peace in the kingdom. You have power in the kingdom. You have everything that you need in the kingdom, and you got that not when you do something, but when he did something and made it available for you to get into that something. I heard the story one time. There was a guy who wanted to go on a cruise, and he saved up his money for months and months and months and months. Finally got himself a ticket to go on a cruise. He was so excited. So he got all packed and ready to go, and he packed a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter, and he said, I can't wait to go on a cruise. I don't care if I don't get anything to eat. I want to go on a cruise and see the world, and I'll have peanut butter and jelly, and I'll be just fine. And he got on the cruise, and boy, at first six or seven days, he's just enjoying himself. And every night, he'd go by the in there where they were eating, and he'd have his little peanut butter and jelly, and he was so happy. And on the last day, somebody came out and said, I saw you every night, man. You're sitting outside the window here eating peanut butter and jelly. Why are you doing that? He said, because all the money I had was for the cruise. And the guy said, this cruise is all-inclusive. He could have been eating at the banquet. Come on now. He could have been eating at the banquet that was prepared for him and paid for by his money. Ours is paid for by somebody else's money. Come on. He paid for it, yet most of us are sitting outside the banquet. Are you Christian? Yeah. Happy? No. Got any money? Broke. Sick as a dog. But see, the kingdom is all-inclusive. Once you get in the kingdom, all these things are yours. And you have rights to walk in those things and live in those things. It's better than the life you've been living right now. It's a lot better than the life. So when I saw this scripture that not only was I studying the kingdom, but he told me that I have a right to find out and understand and discover the secrets of the kingdom, I said, woohoo! Because I didn't understand anything about a kingdom. I don't live under a kingdom. I don't live under a king. I'm in the United States. It's a democracy. It's completely different. Everything's different. So I had to start studying about a kingdom and find out the, the new place I was living spiritually, how to operate in that kingdom. And this tells me that I have a legal right, basically, to understand the secrets and the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God. And I found out the more I understood my rights, the more I understood the things about the kingdom of God, the freer I got because I started taking charge in my own life of anything that would come against my privileges. Let me back up. I got out of religion where I'm asking and praying for Jesus to give me the privileges. 
and I moved into a place where the privileges were mine to where now I was risking anything that was trying to come against the privileges that he already provided for me. 90% of the church is still praying for the privileges. Oh, Lord, give me peace. Oh, Lord, give me money. Oh, Lord, give me... And Jesus said, if you just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things would simply be added unto you. So we want to make an adjustment, don't we? We want to change the way we think. We want to get off the things of the world. We just want to seek what God wants. All my prayers were about what I wanted. My list. And it was a long one. All I wanted from God, wanted more money, wanted a better job, wanted this, wanted that. Never asked him what he wanted. Yet he was my Lord and Savior. He was my God. No, I was trying to use him basically to get things that he already provided for me if I just line up my priority with his priority. So his priority was seek first the kingdom of God. So that's what I started doing. I started studying the kingdom, trying to understand the kingdom. And the more you understand it, the more you understand, man, you've been cheated. You've been getting cheated your whole life, praise God. All right, go to Luke chapter 12. All right, Luke chapter 12, look at verse 22. And Jesus said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, that they neither sow nor reap, which neither have their storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the birds? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? And if then ye be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought or worry about everything else? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And seek not what you shall eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about the things of this world. Neither be of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations or the heathens or the pagans of this world seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. And now look at the next verse. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's... Your father's... Your father's... No, I wasn't taught that. I was taught God didn't want to give me nothing. And if I didn't shape up and quit sinning, he wasn't going to give me nothing. So I better become a better boy. Because when I become a better boy, God looks down and says, Woohoo, I'm going to give him a little bit of something now because he's doing better. He's not doing that sin anymore. He's not doing that stuff anymore. I didn't know that it was his pleasure to give me the entire kingdom. So when I found that out, I thought, my goodness sakes, I'm going to go ahead and seek the kingdom of God, basically because all these things now belong to me. Now, if Jesus commands us to seek first the kingdom of God and we claim his, his Lord then we must do what he told us to do, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So he's told us. That's the first thing we need to do is seek first the kingdom of God. So he knew what he was talking about. All right, go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, look at verse 3. And he spake this parable unto them, saying... Now, what is this parable going to be about? The kingdom of God. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness 
and go over to that which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over every one sinner that repents, more than over ninety-nine just persons who do not need repentance. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. This is talking about seeking. Say seeking. Now, to seek basically means to pursue with vigor, to go after, expecting a result, to seek it with all of your heart. Here it talks about two people basically who lost something. How many of you know when man fell, they lost something? They lost the kingdom of God. They lost their opportunity to be in the kingdom. We were thrown out of the kingdom basically at that time. So here what did they do? They sought diligently. One of them lost a coin, and she was probably cleaned her house better than she ever cleaned it before. And she was going to find that silver thing someplace. She was missing that thing, and she didn't care how much she already had. She wanted more there. She didn't care because there was something more important that she was looking for. The same way with the other guy here, basically. He had 100 sheep and lost one. Well, he diligently searched for that one sheep because he wanted that sheep. Now, let me put it into today's thing. There was a woman who lost her cell phone. Come on, you lose your cell phone. You don't care if the world's blowing up. You're finding that cell phone. It doesn't matter what's going on. It, where's my cell phone? I need my cell phone. I've got to have my cell phone. I ain't doing nothing until I find my cell phone. I mean, no sheep doesn't bother you much, but your cell phone would sure bother you if you lost that thing. What is that? That's diligent, is it? They're diligent. I've got to find, find that cell phone. I've got to get that cell phone. I've got to do that. I've got to get that. Some, some men lose their car keys. What do they diligently search for until they find it? Car key, they're not giving up, man. You're going back over. Now, let's see. I was there yesterday. I wore that coat yesterday. I had that shirt on, that pair of pants. Maybe they're in a Maybe they're yeah, I put them up. What are you doing? You're searching diligently. It's the same way with the kingdom of God. God wants you to search for his kingdom diligently. Now, look what happens when you find it. Rejoice. Joy comes. Joy comes. And notice what happens. They call their neighbors. See, people who get in the kingdom right off the bat and start flowing with God always evangelize. They don't have to be taught how to evangelize. They don't have to have three steps to evangelize. They just call their neighbors, call their family, which sometimes does not work out real well, but they call their family. Say, I found something you can have. What's that? Jesus, forget it. And then you get with them at Thanksgiving and you witness to all of them. Then you don't have to worry about buying Christmas gifts because nobody wants to talk to you anymore anyway. Isn't that the truth? So what happens? There's joy that comes. There's joy when you get in the kingdom of God. There's joy when you're discovering things out of the kingdom of God and finding it. And when that happens, you want to tell everybody it's better than hitting the lottery even because you're excited about what's going on in your life. Praise God. All right, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's do it. My God, you want to sneeze in this church with all those blessings, don't you? I might fake one. Thank you. It's like, like our granddaughter, Talon. She, one time we were all together and she went, <coughs> and I said, oh, what a cough that is. And she got attention, so she kept going. 
All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 15. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of what? Notice the word, study. Say study. study. Say it again, study. study. Listen, the kingdom of God is not just going to fall on you once you get in the kingdom of God. In other words, you're not going to completely understand it. You have to pursue and you have to study the word of God to find out how the kingdom operates. Why do you think the parables are in there? Why do you think this book is here? It's for us to grow and learn in the kingdom of God. And the spirit of God is a good helper. How many of you know that? You start pursuing the, the kingdom of God. That's what he's here for. He's there to reveal that kingdom to you. And the best part is your father is pleased to give you the entire kingdom. The Bible says if you just hunger and thirst for the kingdom and righteousness, you shall be what? You shall be filled. That means you won't have room for anything else. You won't care about anything else. I'm seeking the kingdom. I'm growing in the kingdom. I'm learning about the kingdom. I'm extending the kingdom to other people. And as I'm doing that, my life is fulfilled. I mean, there's a lot of unfulfilled lives out there right now, and everybody wants to be fulfilled. So let me just ask you this morning, what is your passion about today? What have you been passionate about? For years, mine was things in alcohol. Didn't fill anything. Didn't do nothing for me. But you know, we're, we're so goofy. We just keep doing the same thing, thinking it's going to work. So you go back and do it again. You go back and drink again. Oh, it'll work this time. Go back and drink again. Didn't work. Go back and do this again. It doesn't work, basically, because that's what we were put here to do. We were here to be fulfilled. So the question is, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about money? Are you passionate about a real good job? Are you passionate about a bigger house than your neighbor? Uh, being in the rat race someplace and being with some of the rats around you so, so you look big. I mean, do you want everybody to look at you and think that you're something? I mean, where are you? I don't know where you at. I'm just asking where you at so you can check out where you at. See, because it matters, doesn't it? It matters. Well, I'm still going after things. I'm still, still looking for this, still looking for that. Still, no, you've got to put the kingdom of God first and all these desires that you have and you will follow in. God will do it. Those desires that are in your heart, even before you got born again, were godly desires. You were just misusing them. See? I had an ability already that I didn't know about to speak and to time things out and to minister and to talk, but I was in radio at the time, and I wasn't saved, and I wasn't looking to preach. I was looking to be big-time man on the stage, and now here comes Aerosmith. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's right. That's me. TK the DJ. Praise God. Right here I am. Glory to God. But it doesn't mean the gift wasn't there. And it doesn't mean the desire wasn't there. It just means I took what I had and I started to misuse. Ever misuse the gift that you got? Yeah. See, we've all got gifts. But when you turn them around and you repent and quit thinking the way you're thinking and line them up for the kingdom of God, then they start even working better because the anointing of God then goes to work in your life, praise God. And in order to pursue, you've got to probably change some things that you're doing now. You may have to take a little less TV time. You may have to cut down on your Facebook time. See, there's a lot of things. You, I'll tell you what, you start pursuing the kingdom of God, you may lose some friends. See, are, are you willing to do that? That's the question. Or do you just want to be ordinary with everybody else? You don't want to speak the truth. You don't want to do what you need to do. I mean, it's entirely up to you, but there's some changes that are made, you know, even in the ministry. You know, it, it, it's hard to keep friends, especially if you're moving and they're not. And family members, if you're moving and they're not, you just got to be patient with them. You can't give them the whole Bible over Thanksgiving dinner. You just hit them with a seed here, and you hit them with a little jab there, and you hit them with a little punch, and then you walk away and let the Holy Ghost do something with that seed. Come on. You don't say, you better get saved now or no more turkey for you. That doesn't work, see? That's not the loving 
place that we are in our culture, praise God, of the kingdom of God. So what do we want to do? We want to minister to others. We want to grow. And in the kingdom, you know, it's not how much money you got. It's not how big your house is. It's not everything that you got. And the, the, the results of the kingdom, the Bible says, is fruit. You will know them by their fruit. In other words, when they didn't, haven't seen you for two years, do you still talk the same way you did two years ago before you got in the kingdom? Or you're not using every other cuss word to speak everything to blend in. Have you now changed your vocabulary to line up with a kingdom culture? Come on. Are your morals changed now? Back with everybody. Everything goes. Praise God. Do whatever you want. But now two years later, when they come with you, do they notice a difference? Are you following? And everybody wants to get born again, they got heaven and just stay like they are and could care less because why? I'm going to heaven. And that's all it's about. It's not all about heaven. It's about you making the adjustments and the changing so that you can be a valuable tool for God who lives on the inside of you. And I'll tell you what, if you want change, just ask the Holy Ghost. If you don't want change, don't ask the Holy Ghost. Because once you pray that prayer, you're going to go to work. You're going to take that word of God, and he's going to show you the way you're thinking wrong, the way you're doing things wrong, the way you're giving wrong, the way you're getting wrong, the way you're doing everything wrong. But how many you know it's always for the better? Yeah. Our Father wants the best for us, not the worst for us. He wants us to grow in the things that he has for us because that's what he wants us to do. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 9. Study. Say Study. And there's tools out there for you to study. You know, but back in my day, there was a concordance. I don't know if anybody uses that anymore. But I mean, now, if you want to study the word love, you can just Google the thing. Even I can do that. L-O-V-E, push the button, and all these love scriptures come up. See, and then you put those scriptures together. You look at those scriptures. You read those scriptures. You study those scriptures. And then you can, it'll help you to grow and learn what love is. Love is patient. Have I been patient? No, then I'm not walking in love. So I'm going to walk in love, praise God. That's what I'm going to do. So I start agreeing with the Bible of who I am. And what happens? You start to change on the inside. And let me just say this. When you first get born again and get hungry for God, you change rapidly. But the further you go, the tougher the change is because you've made a lot of changes. But let me guarantee you there are changes yet. No matter how long you've been in this business, there's changes there because God wants to get you to that place where he wants you to be. All right, Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wherever you go. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have any place to what? Lay his head. Now that was sort of a goofy response, don't you think? But notice, Jesus is one of perception and he could perceive in people's heart. So he sees Jesus. Here's Jesus. He's going around preaching. He's going around teaching. Jesus was successful in that day. He wasn't lacking money. Money was always there. Food was always there. Everything he needed was always there. So this guy says, man, I'll follow you wherever you go. Why? I want that kind of lifestyle too. I want a lifestyle where my needs are met. I want a lifestyle where everything's going good. I want a lifestyle like that. And Jesus says, well, I'll tell you right now, uh, I don't... Foxes have holes, there's a net, and out really. So what was this guy doing? In his heart, he desired to follow the kingdom of God, but he was still going to follow the kingdom of God to get things. See, sometimes when you preach, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will happen. People immediately want to, still want the things. They just found a new way to try to get the things. And you shouldn't go to God to get the things. You could go to God because God is God. Now we're in this time of year where we've got Christmas and all this stuff. And in the Bible, when Jesus was born in a manger, how many know wise men came to see him? 
I'm not going to say three because people get offended. They don't know if it was two, four, six. Say, I don't care how many. I know they were wise. That's all that matters. <laughs> Dear Jesus. I said three wise men once and got all go, hey, how do you know there was three? Were you there? Are you? I don't, that wasn't the point of the teaching. We, were, we weren't, you know, in calculus. We were in Bible, praise God. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway, there was, let's say there were some wise men. And they were wise because they were seeking, you know, they came a long way. They were seeking Jesus. They knew he was Lord. They knew he was Savior. But notice why they came. They did not come to get anything. They came to give him. See, the church has lost that somewhere along the line. We're wise men. We're going to God to get stuff. No, we go to God to give God stuff. You praise God to give God stuff. You worship God to give God stuff. You love God. You serve God to give God stuff. We are the ones who are supposed to be giving to him, not necessarily him giving to us. But when we give to him first, you know what happens? We get in return. It's just reciprocal. That's the way it works. So basically, what was he telling this guy? He was telling this guy that basically, you know, look at it again. Verse 57. came to pass that as they went their way, a certain man said unto the Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever I go. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nothing where to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, how many of you know if you have a loved one who dies, it's all right to bury him. It's all right to go to the funeral. It's all right. Where did this guy mess up? He messed up when he said first. He put a priority ahead of the kingdom of God, even though it wasn't a bad priority. I'm going to say that again. He put a priority ahead of the kingdom of God, even though it wasn't a bad priority. That means you can get up in the morning and do a bunch of good things, but still not do the thing, which is the kingdom of God. You see? So we want to say, so he says, first, you can't do that first. It doesn't work that way. Look at verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me what? First go, bid them farewell, which are at my house. Once again, what were they doing? They were talking about first, say first. And Jesus was trying to get them on the first, which was the kingdom of God. He's not saying these things are bad. He's saying there's a right thing to do, and that priority is to seek first the kingdom of God. All right, go to Luke chapter 18. And once again, this is a growing thing. This takes time. This just it's something that happens right away. Because growing up, how many know we were taught? That's the way our parents were. What was our parents doing? They were in survival mode. They were trying to get enough money for their 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15 kids back in that day and age. They were trying to support them, trying to get them clothes, trying to do everything. It was about having enough for everybody and working 20 hours a day to do it and six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. That's the way it was. And then we grew up under that, and we think that's our whole lives. You know, only the kid number has gone down. How many of you know that? Nobody having 15 anymore, and you just have a couple, but still the concern's there. It's for money. It's for things, and you're striving to get them, and you get born again. And people say, well, now you're in a church. Everything's going to be fine. Well, how many know everything wasn't fine? Even if you got born again, that didn't straighten nothing out. Nothing straightens out until you get straightened out. And then things start to work in your life. It starts to function in your life, and things happen in your life. But that change, uh, who was up here talking about what John was, the change is in you. The change is for you. The change is in your life. So if you're in life, and I'll tell you, I didn't come to Jesus because somebody told me about Jesus. I came to Jesus because I was so tired of my life. 
done. I was tired. 30 years old, and I just wasted 30 years. I was doing the same thing every day, drinking, sleeping in, puking, all everything, you know, hanging, bleeping by the toilet, sleeping in the closet. I just didn't want it anymore. And I didn't even know what to do. So I went to a church, basically, because that's all I knew to do, because that's the way I'd been raised up. I went to the church and basically just told a priest that hey, I, I'm, I'm, something's wrong with me. You know, I'm messed up. I repent. I do this. I do that. And instantly, that's all you need to give God is just a little crack. If you give him a crack in anything in your life, I'll tell you what, the Holy Ghost will get through that crack. That's why he's the ghost. He can slide through that stuff. Praise Amen. Amen. He doesn't, doesn't have to walk through like Jesus. He can slide in there, praise God, and get you. And what's he do? He makes adjustments in your life. He does it. And when I left that day, I knew that 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 there's something better for my life than what I'd done for 30 years. So I said, that's it. I'm going to read this Bible. I'm going to do it. And I got a little book called, uh, what the heck was that called? What was that book called? It's coming to you right now. <laughs> it had something about, about these famous football players and famous people and all this who you opened up and you read their lives. And the first page was, the best thing I ever did was give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and become born again. I said, that guy's full of it. He's making millions of dollars playing football. That ain't the most important. Read the next time. I made it. I play tennis. And that most important thing is Jesus Christ. Powerful living. That's it. Who said that? Where'd that come from? Came to you right now. Powerful Living, the book was called. And I was laying there on the couch one day, and I was fed up with life and everything. And it, I think I was watching football or something, and all at once an ad came up. We have a book for you, The Power of Our Living. You can call. It's a free, back when there was free, 800 numbers. <laughs> I guess every number is free. I don't know how it works. But 1-800, and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said, the book is absolutely free. And I thought, mm-hmm. What am I going to have to do, join a book club? You know, anything you see free, let's face it, you, you get it, and then you keep getting them for the rest of your life. They just keep coming every month. But it was free, so I thought, what the heck? So I sent away for it, and this book came. It was telling me about everybody who the most important thing in their life was a relationship with Jesus Christ, even though I knew they were doing very well over here, and I was still thing mentality. Say thing mentality. Anybody got a thing mentality in here? Hallelujah, glory to God. Nobody raised their hand, so we can continue on. So basically when I saw that, I, I just couldn't hardly believe that, that, that it was that way, you know. But, but they were talking about where they came from. How many know everybody you see out there who the world think is famous didn't start there? See, they came from someplace else. And if they're Christian people, they probably came out of the ghetto. And all at once they're up to a place now to where they're operating the things of God and the power of God. And you've got to change the way that you see success. Success is not being on TV. It's not being handed a trophy. It's not being... All this kind of stuff. No, success is you fulfilling the purpose that you were put here to do. That's a successful thing because someday you're going to die and go before Almighty God. And he's not going to say, well, I'm glad you were a singer of the year. I'm glad you won the World Series. I'm glad blah, blah, blah. He's not going to do any of that stuff. He's going to say, did you fulfill what I put you to do down there? Hallelujah. And many people don't know this, but it should be a passion on the inside of you. I want to fulfill God's will. My will not be done. His will be done in my life. So when I read that book, it showed that there could be a change in my life, that something was different. I didn't know it could be different. I didn't know I didn't have to worry all the time. Fear all the time. Be nervous all the time. That's why most of the body of Christ is sick. Because we're warriors, just like everybody else. We worry about stuff. We're fearful about things. We're stressed out about everything. Your body was not physically designed to handle that stuff. It was designed to handle peace and joy and love and all these things on the inside. So what it's doing, it's causing a lot of sickness in the body of Christ. When you get worry and just live in peace and be stable, say stable. Stable. 
Dee. It changes things. Your body will be happy with you. It will go there. And stress, you mean, you talk to regular doctors, they'll tell you stress and all that stuff is a problem. So God wants to bring us out of here. So what does he say? He says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry about all these things that I worried about for 30 years. That's what I did. I worried. I was supposed to worry. Oh, no, it was concern. I'm sorry. I was just deeply concerned about these things, not worry. Worry is different than concerning. See, panicking all the time, stressed out all the time, wondering all the time. I mean, even your kids, if you're young enough, your kids watch everything you do. If you live a stressful life, I guarantee you they'll grow up thinking that's the normal life to live. And they'll end up living a stressful life. If you live a peaceful life, a joyful life, a trusting life, they will grow up. And then they'll go to school and think all the other kids are nuts. My kids grew up, and one of Josh's favorite things when he got to be a teenager was, I'm tired of being in a dysfunctional family. Got to move on. I'm tired of being in a dysfunctional family. Then he got out there and found out we were the most functional family he'd ever ran into before in his life. He had friends out there that their spouses weren't even married, their spouses had been divorced, their spouses beat each other up, the house was a mess, everything else. But they only know, I don't know I'm going here, but I'm going here. They only know what you show them in your little house package. They can hear it from their friend, but it's not the same of them living under your roof, seeing how you two interact with each other, seeing whether you're panicking or not, and you can't walk around saying, well, we can't do it because we're broke. We can't do it because we're broke. We can't do that, son, because we're broke. We can't do that, daughter, because we're broke, because they're going to grow up, and they're going to get to be your age, and they're going to say, can't do it, son, because we're broke. Can't do it. You can't do that, see? If you've got an issue with something like that, just go to the room and leave the kids out of the thing, for God's sakes. Even if you've got to have a slight disagreement. Notice I said slight. To get that? I mean, get away from the kids. Put them to bed, then have your slight disagreement. Why? Because they're going to think that's the way marriages operate. And in the world, that's the way they do. But we're not living and of the world anymore. We are of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is patient, it is loving, it is kind, it's not irritable, it thinks the best of others, it does all these things. So we want to give them a love atmosphere, same way with the church. My God, if you walk in a church and everybody's arguing, fussing, you're going to walk right back out the door. That's why in the body of Christ, we've just got to love each other. We just got to get along with each other. We just got to help each other, pray for each other, grow up. Somebody needs a place to come to. Got to have a place to come to. And people come in here, and they come in here, and they talk to me about the church. And they don't talk about my wonderful, spectacular preaching. They don't talk about my marvelous anointing. They talk about the love they felt when they walked through the back door of this church, and somebody hugged them and did something to them. That's what people are looking for. A teaching or preaching will help them some, but it's that love that everybody's looking for in this world right now because there isn't any out there. There's division out there right now, and they're tired of being divided in everything. That's why even when we're preaching, we've got to make sure we don't divide. The only thing we want to divide is good from evil, Amen. the truth from lies. We want to divide anybody. There's enough division being preached out there over the airways and everything else, so we don't want to do that. We want to preach love, and you people are lovely people. You are. Praise God. You are. I mean... That's what people say. And, uh, you don't have a church of 5,000. I'd rather have 80 people that like each other. Amen. Is that all right? You're not successful. Oh, no, yes, I am. You're going, man, you're falling apart. Your marriage is falling apart. Your kids are running all over the place. People are shooting each other in your church, and that's success because you've got 5,000 people. 
No, thank you. Praise God. No, it's different. It's a kingdom of God culture that we're changing to. And you only get that by seeking first the kingdom of God and studying the parables that are there. Every parable has to do with the kingdom of God. It talks about sowing the word of the kingdom. And as you sow that word in you, how many know your job sowing? Even in a natural, how many know the seed doesn't plant itself? You plant the seed in the ground and it starts to grow. And it grows 30, 60, 100. It never grows 100 fold. Well, I can't understand why I haven't changed. Well, you've only cussed twice in the last week rather than 42,552 times. I think you're doing better. So don't let anybody point their finger and say, you shouldn't be cussing. You should have heard me before, brother. I'll give you some cuss words if that's what you're looking for. My gun's loaded. Just make me mad, brother. You're going to get it. No, they're growing, aren't they? They're getting better, aren't they? We're changing, aren't we? They, I mean, you can be changed for four or five years. Not once something comes up that's been in there forever and just comes flying on you. You say, where in the heck did that come from? Well, there's still just a little bit in there yet. And you got in a high-stress situation. You pulled the trigger on it, praise God. So what do I do? I repent right there, right in front of people. Hey, I'm sorry. I don't talk like that. What happened? I don't talk like that, you know. Just don't walk away like, that's the way we Christians are. We get to cuss every now and then. No, it's not that way. We change. We don't have anger fits anymore. We don't yell and scream anymore, praise God. And I know that takes time. Maybe you argued about everything before. Now you're only arguing about half the things. Well, praise God. That's better. So if you're in the midst of somebody, a younger couple who get in an argument or fight, don't go back in the church and say, you should see what, you should see what that young couple's doing right now. With them, they were arguing and fighting and spitting and hacking around all over the time. I don't know what's the matter with them. Dear God, they, they may have been hitting each other before. Now they're just using words. You see what I mean? We can't be judging people. As long as people are heading towards God, they're being refined and they're changing every single day. And it's a process that takes place in your life over a period of time. But you're the one that's got to want the choosing and the, and the changing. See? Somebody told me once there's no losers in the kingdom. There's only choosers. If you choose to be a loser, you'll be a loser. But it's not because of the kingdom because you chose to be a loser. See, so we want to keep changing. We want to keep, when we're saying we're doing something wrong, we're going to slowly let the Holy Spirit show us and correct us on that. And we're going to refine and we're going to get better. We're going to love each other. We're going to, people are going to yell and you're just going to say, I love you. I tell you, that's the greatest growth in my life. And when I got to a point where two people were just screaming at me, calling me every name in the book, worst pastor, worst everything. And every time they took a breath, how many know everybody runs out of breath every now and then? <laughs> every time they ran out of breath, I said, I really love you too. And how many know they got madder? Why? They wanted, they wanted an argument back. They, they were provoking an argument. They wanted an argument. They wanted me to scream. They wanted me to call them names. And they did, ah, and I just, I really love you guys. I'm telling you, I really love you. Ah, I really love you guys. Pretty soon one of them got mad and left. And the other one started acting like a human being. And we sat there. We had a real intelligent conversation. They were no longer mad. They were no longer upset. How many of you know if you yell back? How many ever tried that? Somebody yells at you, you yell back. How'd that go? How'd that work for you? See? And, and yet we'll keep doing it because we think that's the way life is. That's the way it should be. That's the way daddy did it. That's the way mommy did it. That's the way, well, daddy and mommy, do you want that? You see? So we're the generation that's making the change. I really believe this is a generation that's flowing in the things of God and making the adjustments in our life so that we can be a shining light to people out there. It's time to be the salt of the earth, not the dirt of the earth. Come on, it's time to be the light of the world and take the bushel basket off and that bushel basket is yourself.
Get you off of your mind and get other people on your mind. Get the Lord on your mind. Get unsaved on your mind. Get your friends on your mind. Get your relation on your mind. Let's just reach out and touch people, praise God. That's what we want to do. But a lot of it's done by your fruit. People see your fruit. So we want good fruit, and we'll grow into it and be tolerant of people. Praise God. Some people have been saved two years, some five. Some have been saved 20 years and never even sat under a gospel like this, so they're still the same way they were when they got saved 20 years ago. And everybody wants to do it by the years. How long have you been a Christian? 20 years. And then they talk like a trucker. Come on. Haven't changed a bit, but they've been saved 20 years. How long have you been a member of this church? 20 years. Well, you better get out of there because you ain't made any change yet in 20 years. It's time to make an adjustment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the changes are here and they're coming, but it's when you seek first the kingdom of God. I don't know where we're going, but we're not going to go there now. You got me all messed up in something else. Now we're not going to go there anymore. It's your fault that you did this. Hallelujah. So there's changes. That's good. There's changes going on in your marriage. Good. There's changes going on in your life. Good. If the Holy Ghost is talking to you about some things, make the adjustment, praise God. Get in the Word. Become what the Word says you are. That's how you do it. You do it in agreement with God. If God says you're patient, then you're patient. I don't feel patient, but you're patient. I'm not patient at all today, but you're patient. See? And when you start believing you're patient, you'll act like somebody that's patient. You'll act like somebody that's kind. You'll act like somebody that's loving. You'll act like these things. But you have to become who God already made you. And all that changes right up here in your soul. Your mind, well, and emotions. That's why we're renewing our mind on the Word of God every week. We're trying to grow in the things of God, grow up to being loving people. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, it, it's going on, that camera's running, right? If you're out there and you're watching this and you're online and you're watching it later on, there's a better life for you than where you're at right now. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how messed up you are or don't think you're messed up or whatever, but there's a change for you. And if you just get to have Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you can go into a place of the kingdom of God today, praise God, and things will start to change. The Holy Ghost will come live on the inside of you. He can change your addiction problem. He can change your bondages. He can change your, your upsetness. He can your anger. He can change all that stuff. But you have to make a decision to choose him. It's available for you. It's already provided, so it's entirely up to you what you want to do. If you like living where you're at, more power to you, praise God. But there's a better life for you and it's in the kingdom of God father I pray for everybody that watches this thing even though they're not here today Holy Ghost I give you permission to invade their household their car wherever they're at you just invade their life right now in the name of Jesus you touch every single one of them you let them know that you are real praise God and that you love them very much with all the love that you have I thank you father for your words this morning that it changes everybody's life that we grow up in the things of God and we start producing the fruit necessary in this day and in this hour to operate in the power of God to change this world into your kingdom. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as in in heaven. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. the kingdom of God and his righteousness